With all the features you know and love, lateness, a freezer running in the background, and of course, questionable betting picks, it's week 14, yay! What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week 14 of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2020 NFL football regular season and postseason, which has, of course, been ravaged by COVID basically right from the jump of this thing. And, of course, because we've had some games delayed, we've got a game that's going to be played later tonight between Dallas and Baltimore. Baltimore, these picks will feel somewhat incomplete because the information is somewhat incomplete, at the very least for those two teams. So the beginning of this episode is actually going to be ultra quick. I'm going to tell you I went eight and six so far in week 13, of course, with the game pending tonight, 121, 69, and one straight up on the season. I'll tell you so far on the week, I'm even money against the spread at seven and seven, has me 88, 99, and four against the spread. On the totals, I'm going to have a week that's above 500. I'm 8 and 6 right now with the one game yet to go in week 13. Has me 82, 106, and 3 on the season. And I believe that is my second straight guaranteed week above 500 on the totals, which is, I mean, for me, that's, that's a heck of an accomplishment. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks. I went three and one straight up. I went two and two against the spread and actually went three and one on the totals in those picks from last week. And that included sweeping my platinum pick of the Packers over the Eagles. They won that game 30 to 16, got the Packers minus seven against the spread and the under 49. It was close, but it hit. As a matter of fact, I also swept the gold pick. That was Miami beating Cincinnati 19 to seven. Miami covered minus 11 and the game stayed under 42. I'm going to completely skip the two pick'em leagues because, again, absolutely nothing has been decided because we still have a game yet to go tonight. I will shout out the winners of Week 13 in the two pick'em leagues in the pinned comment down below on the YouTube episode. So when that's all confirmed tomorrow, I will shout both of those winners out in the pinned comment down below. My apologies, but... The NFL doesn't exactly leave me a ton of choice. We're going to pop over and take a peek. As I told you, I was going to be quick. Take a peek into Fantasy Corner, which is, of course, now presented by the Dynasty Trade Calculator, ladies and gentlemen, for my money. And it has been getting my money. For my money, the number one resource in terms of player grades, evaluations, trade help, podcasts, rankings, anything you can think of in terms of dynasty and keeper fantasy football does not matter how your league is organized. Like I said, I've been saying it every single week. I'm a full PPR league that has individual defensive players. The dynasty trade calculator has me covered in terms of player rankings, player evaluations, trades, the whole nine yards. The dynasty trade calculator is a fantastic resource. Plans beginning as low as $3. Make sure you hit my referral link, which is in the description below to the YouTube video. Get on there. 
on the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Help yourself out in your long-term leagues. Now, I'm only projected to go two and four this week. I am going to pick up a win in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, which did look like a bit of a coin flip earlier in the week. I'm going to beat my good friend Anthony to go to 11 and two. I had already locked up the first overall seed for the regular season, and we're going to be heading into the playoffs. Three weeks of playoffs in both this league and the Professionals Fantasy Football League. Sorry, the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League. I should say, which unfortunately I will not be joining them in the postseason. I picked up a loss in week 13 to threat level midnight, which is going to drop me down to five and eight, and I am not going to make it into the postseason. Now, four of my six leagues still have one more week of the regular season left in week 14. I still have a shot to make the playoffs in multiple of those leagues. It's going to depend on how I do in week 14. So two and four this past week didn't really do me any favors, but we have our eyes fully set, especially in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League on the postseason. And I'll take this opportunity in the show to remind you, as always, that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, you can find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week 14 in the NFL. You can find information on joining both the Bridgewater's Finest and Anti and Co. Pick'em Pools, which I did not talk about today, but... Look, you join, you win a week, get yourself shouted out on the show. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, and you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. Doing my Nerd Tees plug a little bit late in the recording because I just plum forgot to do it after I did Fantasy Corner, but we are enjoying a delicious cup of Kiwi-licious tea from nerdtees.ca. You can use my promo code BWFINEST. That's going to save you 15% at checkout. You're going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over 100 bucks, which is a pretty good deal. And you get a great conversion rate on the US dollar as well for my many listeners south of the 49th parallel. As I mentioned, today's blend, Kiwi-licious, smells fantastic even though I'm recording down in the basement tonight. Now the basement smells like a nice fruit garden. Now it just smells really good, and it's because of this Kiwi-licious tea. Tastes pretty darn good, too. Nerdtees.ca, promo code BWFINEST. Dozens and dozens of great tea blends available on Nerdtees.ca. Use the promo code, save the money, get the free shipping, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love. You can do it at Nerdtees.ca. This may be among the quickest intros I've ever done because it's time to get into the games, folks. A full 16-game slate on the schedule for Week 14, and we are going to kick things off in Chicago with the Chicago Bears playing host to a Houston Texans team that came oh so agonizingly close to pulling off a big upset, as I had predicted, in Week 13. The Texans' loss last week was probably the death blow to any playoff aspirations that they had. They're now 4-8. and eight. Best they can do is 8-8 eight and eight to end the season. I don't think 8-8 eight and is going to be good enough, even if they have to expand to a full 16-team playoff. I don't think Houston's going to have enough of a tiebreaker, even if they do get to 8-8, eight and eight, to make the playoffs. So, it's an unfortunate end for Deshaun Watson well, I shouldn't say end, but an end to playoff hopes for Deshaun Watson, who really was the primary reason that that team was even close to keeping itself afloat. 
Meanwhile, the Bears have been a tire fire for the last basically two months, now sitting at five and seven losers of six straight games. They're under 500 in their own building on the year at two and four. You know things are never going your way if you're two and four in your own building. Plus, they have not beaten an AFC opponent yet this year at 0 and 2. Look, between these two teams, there's one team that I even come remotely close to trusting, and that's the Houston Texans. What a massive upset that would have been last week had they managed, and they were right there, man, right there in the red zone, and it just a botched snap. I close my eyes and I can see it, and I'm like, I just feel so gutted for Deshaun Watson, and you see his reaction after the game. You think that's a guy that's not committed. You think that's a guy that's not passionate, that he wanted to win that game so bad he could taste it and just oh my god absolutely brutal I don't think they'll be in a position that they'll need to worry about the last play of the game to come up with a win in this one I think Houston should be able to pick up the victory here in Chicago against the Bears again I have absolutely no faith in this Bears team that can't get it done in their own building for the most part and is not very good at protecting the football they turn the ball over a lot I think Houston takes advantage of that Texans pick up the win in Chicago. On the line, Texans are actually a single point favorite in Chicago. It makes sense to me. I like them to win. It's a small price to pay. I'm going to lay the point. Total in the game set at 44 and a half points. Pretty well a perfect total in terms of what I personally capped it at. I'm going to lean on the fact that the Bears are only two and four to the over at home this year. And let's go under a middling number of 44 and a half points in Chicago, Houston. Let's go Texans 24. Bears 20. Let's go to Cincinnati now for the battle of a pair of basement dwellers in their respective divisions. The Cincinnati Bengals at home taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Now again, Dallas plays tonight. They are dealing with an injury as are the Bengals. And in both cases, it comes on the offensive line. So pass rushers, listen up. Not a ton to say about two teams that have only won a combined five games on the season. Worth pointing out that both of Cincinnati's wins, they're only 2-9-1 themselves. Uh, Both of their wins have come at home. They do not have a win over an NFC opponent yet this year, and neither does Dallas. They're at 0-2. Dallas lost their last time out. Of course, again, they play tonight. They're only 1-4 in their last five, and they've completely lost the handle on any chance that they had I think in this division even though look the Giants in Washington they're only at five wins but I just don't think this Cowboys team catches them as I mentioned two teams with injury concerns both on the offensive lines for Cincinnati it's tackled Jonah Williams he injured his knee last week no update on him no official update but per Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com he says it was initially believed that he didn't tear a ligament I'd still have to consider him pretty highly doubtful he may not see the field again this season but for his long-term prospects at least it's good that hopefully he didn't tear anything On Dallas' side, it's guard Zach Martin, probably the only bright spot on the offensive line for Dallas this year. He suffered a calf injury, and uh, just late last night, actually, they moved Zach Martin to IR. That likely will end his season, so that Dallas offensive line just getting worse and worse. This is going to be the tail end of back-to-back road games for the Cowboys, who of course also will come in on the short week, having to play tonight, which is Tuesday night. 
I'm going to take the Bengals in this spot. Neither one of these teams protect the ball very well, but Dallas is among the worst teams in the league in terms of their turnover differential. Cincinnati isn't great, but they're not as bad as Dallas. And again, you get that team coming in on little rest, consecutive road games. It's just there's so much going against Dallas in this game. I I was pretty committed to whoever the underdog was taking the points, and Cincinnati's the underdog at home, which doesn't make any sense to me. So we're going to take the points. We're going to take Cincinnati to win the game outright over Dallas. Like I mentioned, Dallas is the favorite in this game, and it doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, they're three and a half point favorites right now in Cincinnati. That is absolutely outrageous to the Bengals. If anything, this game should be maybe one point in either direction or less than that, but three and a half points. Hedge this game one way or the other. You cannot give this Dallas Cowboys team that hook of the extra point over a field goal. That is absolutely ridiculous. So look, I like the Bengals to win outright, so I'm more than happy to take the three and a half points. Total set at 43 and a half points for the game. I personally capped this at a low 30. Like, I mean, maybe getting into the mid 30s. I don't think this thing cracks 40. So we're going to go under 43 and a half points in Dallas, Cincinnati. Let's go Bengals 20, Cowboys 13. Let's go to Miami now, and all of a sudden, this is a marquee AFC matchup, and who could have said that at the beginning of the season? The Miami Dolphins at home taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. I personally think this could low-key be the game of the week. Dolphins kept rolling last week with their second straight win. They've won four of their last five, actually one of three teams in this division, everybody but the Jets, who have won four games in their last five. So all of a sudden, the AFC East is is really humming along here, even with the Patriots. But Miami won in order to keep pace with the Buffalo Bills, who still sit above them at 9-3. and three. Miami's 8-4. and four. They've won four of their six home games. This is a good football team. I've been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks now. This is not the Miami Dolphins of old. In saying that, the Kansas City Chiefs are still the Kansas City Chiefs. They have not lost a game on the road so far this year. They are 9-1 and one against AFC opponents. That only loss coming in the division game earlier this season against the Raiders. They have beaten every other AFC opponent that they have played. They are winners of seven straight games. They've clinched this division, and when this team is healthy, how do you beat them? Both of these teams control the ball quite well. Kansas City among the top teams in the NFL in terms of their turnover differential. They don't make mistakes. They don't shoot themselves in the foot. That would be one way to beat them as if they shot themselves in the foot. As far as I'm concerned, the only other way to beat a basically fully healthy Chiefs team is to do what the Raiders did. And you have to beat them in a track meet. That game was what? I think 40-32? to For the Raiders, when the Raiders beat them, you have to beat them in a track meet. And for as good as I think Miami has played for most of this season, the offense right now is not capable of keeping up with the Kansas City Chiefs in a track meet. Even though the Chiefs defense left a little something to be desired over the last month, they're scoring almost at will are the Chiefs, and I just don't think Miami offensively, they're only scoring about 20 points a game over the last month. I don't think they keep up on the offensive side. So we are going to take Kansas City here to stay undefeated on the road. Chiefs beat the Dolphins in Miami.
On the line, the Chiefs are laying seven and a half points as a road favorite here in Miami. I'm actually going to take those points. The Dolphins are 5-1 and one against the spread at home this year, and that Dolphins defense has been playing incredible football over the past five to six weeks. I think they can at the very least keep this game competitive, respectable, within a single possession. That's why I genuinely think this could be the game of the week, certainly in the AFC, but across the whole NFL this week. I'm going to take the Dolphins plus the seven and a half points. Plus, I mean, look, the underdog is still hitting in the NFL this year at an absolutely absurd rate. I think it's 42.4% right now that the favorites are hitting. So the underdogs are almost 58% on the season. I'm going to take those seven and a half. Total in the game set at 49 and a half points. I've got this game getting into the 60s because I think, look, Miami's going to score points. Kansas City's just going to score more. So I feel pretty good about going over 49 and a half points in Kansas City, Miami. Let's go Chiefs 34, Dolphins 27. Let's go to New York now where the Giants are looking to keep on rolling. Massive win for the Giants last week against Seattle. They are now going to play host to an Arizona Cardinals team. Both of these teams actually dealing with an injury concern. As I mentioned, big, big win for the Giants, winning four straight games after starting the season a putrid 1-7. and They've won four of their last five. They could be getting Daniel Jones back this week, which would definitely be an upgrade over Colt McCoy. It would be an upgrade for that whole receiving core for New York. It's The defense has been doing well. The offense has been picking it up a little bit. They're at 5-7. and seven. I think they hold the tiebreaker right now over Washington, so they may be in the driver's seat in this division. The Cardinals, meanwhile, the overall season numbers still look fairly good, but they're on a slide here. They've lost three consecutive games. They're only one and four in their last five. They're now two games short of both the Rams and the Seahawks in the division, and now all of a sudden, Arizona's got to start sweating their wildcard position a little bit, which is an interesting thing that you could have tried to convince me of three, four weeks ago. Probably wouldn't have believed you. As I mentioned, a couple of injury concerns here. In both cases, it's on the defensive side. For the Giants first, it's linebacker Blake Martinez. Man, he's a defensive captain for this team. It's tough to overstate how much Blake Martinez means to this Giants defense. He injured his back last week. I think it's a re-aggravation of something he's been dealing with off and on. No official update, but per Coach Judge, it doesn't look like there's anything serious on their injury report, is exactly what he said. So hopefully this means Blake Martinez has avoided any kind of long-term injury. His status for this game would have to be highly uncertain. Uh, For Arizona, it's cornerback Jonathan Joseph. He suffered a stinger last week. No update officially on him yet. Have to consider him uncertain for this game as well. This is another game that I look at as two teams that are probably more even than someone just looking at their records and their point totals, just kind of looking on the surface. I think this is these are two teams that are much more even than a lot of people would like to admit. And look, off the heels of that huge win for the Giants last week in Seattle, again, that's not a game I thought they were going to win, and it's very much a game that they proved me 100% dead wrong on. I like the Giants here. All the momentum is with them. They're two teams going in two very different directions. Let's take the Giants here and lean on that defense a little bit more. Giants beat the Cardinals in New York. 
On the line, Giants are two and a half point dogs at home, which was an interesting line to me when I first saw it. I like the Giants to win outright. I'll take those two and a half points. Total in the game set at 45. I only have this as like a mid to high 30. I don't have it getting into the 40s. Situationally speaking, when you look at the Giants at home and the Cardinals on the road, they've only combined to hit two of 11 overs this year. And the Giants as underdogs have only hit three of 10 overs this year. So we're going to lean under 45 points in New York, Arizona. Let's go Giants 20, Cards 17. Let's go to Tampa Bay now where the Bucks coming off of the latest bye week in the NFL along with the uh, Carolina Panthers who we'll talk about in a little bit. The Bucks coming off the bye, they are at home to take on the Minnesota Vikings. I'm somewhat hesitant to say that the Bucks are on a slide, but they have lost two straight games and they've lost three of their last five. This does not feel like the same Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that we saw even a month ago. And I tweeted this a little bit earlier today, but I'll repeat it. It's never one single thing, but I look at the Bucks now. The Bucks have fallen to the sixth worst run offense in football. Remember like a month ago, Ronald Jones was just ripping off these huge runs and Tampa Bay was like this, this really, really, really tough to defend running offense. That's not the case anymore. They have absolutely fallen off the run game over the last little while. Again, now sitting the sixth worst run offense in the NFL. I don't think it's any coincidence necessarily that they've lost three of their last five. Vikings, meanwhile, are stepping on the gas in a big, bad way, trying to get themselves into a possible playoff spot, a possible wild card spot. They've evened up their record at six and six by virtue of winning four of their last five, including two straight. And that's actually about the same as what Green Bay's done. They've won two straight and four of the last five. Vikes are playing pretty decent football as of late. Three straight weeks with at least 27 points scored. The defense leaving a little something to be desired, but at the very least, not allowing their offense to be outscored on average over the last month. The same cannot be said for the Tampa Bay Bucks. As much as the run game has kind of fallen off, the defense has kind of fallen off a little bit too. The offense only scoring 24 points a game, the defense giving up 29 in this same span over the last four games. I like the upset here. I like the road team. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings in Tampa Bay to upset Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Let's take the Vikings over Tampa. On the line, the Bucks are favored here by six and a half points, and that's just way too much for me. These two teams are too similar for one side to be favored by almost a touchdown. I like the Vikings to win outright. Obviously, it's my biggest upset of the week, so I'm I'm more than happy to take the six and a half points. This feels like a hedge either way to me with how much the underdogs are hitting and, again, just how similar I think these two teams are in terms of what their output is and what they're capable of. Look, Minnesota's found more success on the road this year than they have at home, winning three games out of their five road games where they've only won, I think, three of seven games at home. So I like the Vikings here. I'll certainly happily take the points. Total in the game set at 51 and a half points. I got this capped like in the mid 50s and the Vikings are eight and four to the over this year. So let's lean over on this one. We're going to go over 51 and a half points in Minnesota, Tampa Bay. Let's go Vikings 28, Bucks 27. Who knows? Maybe the last play of the game. 
Let's go to Carolina now and talk about the aforementioned Carolina Panthers also coming into this game off of their bye, but dealing with the latest in the NFL's COVID outbreaks within an individual team. At this point, I believe it's eight players that have been identified either positive or super close contacts for Carolina, and it's a couple of fairly decent sized names on the offensive side. They're going to be taking on a Denver Broncos team on the tail end of back-to-back road games. No playoff implications in this one as both teams are 4-8. and eight. Carolina losers of four of their last five games. Denver also losers of four of their last five games, including two straight. As I mentioned, Panthers dealing with a COVID outbreak. Eight players across the offense, defense, and special teams. I believe their punter that just came off of IR either is positive for it or was considered a close contact. But again, we're talking about DJ Moore at wide receiver. We're talking about Curtis Samuel at wide receiver. We're talking about, I believe, Shaq Thompson at linebacker. So it's across their team guys that are on the COVID list right now. Does that necessarily mean they won't play? In DJ Moore's case, he's not going to play. He was dealing with an injury. He was already questionable. He has tested positive, which means he will not play in this game. Curtis Samuel, where he was just listed as a close contact, there's possibility that Curtis Samuel does play in the game. I would be really worried here if I were Carolina, if it were like other teams that they're playing. But look, I just don't see the Denver Broncos as much of anything right now. Their defense is all right, but they don't control the ball. They don't protect the ball at all. They're one of the worst teams in the league in terms of the turnover differential. They're on the tail end of back-to-back road games. They haven't done a ton in the past month to really make me feel like they're going to stay competitive with this Carolina team. Not that Carolina is incredible, but they are certainly scoring points. They may be getting Christian McCaffrey back this week. Let's take Carolina at home in a pretty decent spot to beat Denver. On the line, however, Carolina favored by three and a half points, and I'm going to go ahead and hedge here um, because of the COVID situation, because of the fact that they could potentially be missing up to eight players who are on the list, and the fact that the Broncos on the road, at the very least, are four and two against the spread. I'm going to go ahead and hedge and take the points here, go Denver, plus three and a half. It is a game they could win outright. Total in the game set at 47 points. I've only got this thing in a mid to high 30. I don't think it cracks 40. The Panthers at home are only 2 and 4 to the over this year. So let's go under 47 points in Denver, Carolina. Let's go Panthers 20, Broncos 17. Let's go to Jacksonville now and you're about to find out how determined I am to not make myself a liar on Twitter. The Jacksonville Jaguars playing host to the Tennessee Titans. Now look, we all know how bad Jacksonville is. They've been bad all season. They're right in the running for the first overall pick. I mean, if the Jets decide they want to win a game, they're right there for a really high pick in the draft. And look, life is too short to put the Tennessee Titans in my top four picks anymore this year. So heads up to Titans fans, that's not happening for the rest of the year. They are not going to get into, and if any game was going to get them there, it was a game against Jacksonville because of how terrible this Jags team is. And look, I think Tennessee is going to absolutely slaughter Jacksonville in this game. It's not enough that Jacksonville just in general is a bad football team. They're also probably going to be without their starting center, Brandon Linder, who I've mentioned at least once this year, if not more times. He injured his ankle. He's not likely to play as far as I'm concerned. 
I think Tennessee wallops Jacksonville in this game. But after last week, after I trusted them against Cleveland in a game that I thought they should win by two possessions, no, instead... They let Baker Mayfield throw 19 touchdowns in the first half and put on some garbage time points like when the game's already out of reach and it makes the game, the score final score look closer than it actually was. I will never trust the Titans in those top four picks for the rest of the season, but I love them to clobber Jacksonville here. Let's take Tennessee over the Jags. On the line, Titans are laying seven and a half points as a road team in Jacksonville. This is gross. This feels disgusting, but I'm going to lay those points. Tennessee minus the seven and a half. Just after that performance I saw last week, it's just, it almost makes me sick to my stomach to do it, but it's Jacksonville and their garbage. So we're going to go ahead and lay the seven and a half. Total in the game set at 53. I've got this game in the low 60s because I don't trust either of these defenses. Titans are 9-2-1 and one to the over this year, and they're 4-1 and one away from their own building. So we're going to go over 53 points in Tennessee-Jacksonville. Let's go Titans 42, Jacksonville 20. I have them doubling them up, and they're still not going into those top four picks. Sorry, Titans fans. Let's go to Las Vegas now where the Raiders are going to play host to an Indianapolis Colts team on the tail end of back-to-back roadies. The Colts are a very difficult team to predict, I've learned, uh, due in no small part to the fact that the last three consecutive Colts picks I've tried to make, either for them or against them, I've been wrong. So here we go. We got the Colts and the Raiders, another team that are difficult to peg, so I expect this game to be absolute lunacy. Both of these teams were on the winning side of things last time they played, and both of these teams have won three of their last five. The Colts have beaten up on NFC opponents this year, like they're 4-0 against the NFC, so they ran the table there. They're only 4-4 against the rest of the AFC, their AFC opponents, so they're only a middling team against the AFC. Uh, the Raiders a little bit better than that at 5-3, and three, but have not played well in their own building. They're only 2-3 and three at home this year. I think I'm going to lean on the fact that the Colts do have the better defense, even though they haven't exactly been showing it lately. They do control the ball better. They're better with the ball. They don't turn the ball over nearly as much as they generate on the defensive side. And in a game like this, I think it comes down to mistakes, and I think the Raiders will make one more mistake than Indianapolis will. They'll capitalize on it. I'm going to take the Colts to win the game. Indianapolis gets the win in Las Vegas. On the line, the Colts are two and a half point favorites on the road in Vegas. I think I'm going to lay those points. It's a fairly small price to pay. This is one that I could kind of flip-flop. I could see either team winning this game genuinely. But we're going to go ahead and lay the two and a half points on the Colts. And the total is set at 51 and a half. Now, I'm going to be going against the way I initially capped this game. I only capped it at a high 40. I didn't have it getting into the 50s. But I'm going to lean on the fact that the Raiders are 8-3-1 and one to the over this year. And the Colts on the road have hit four of six overs in their own right. We're going to go over 51 and a half points in Indianapolis, Vegas. Let's go Colts 28 Raiders, 24. Let's go to LA now for our second straight battle of completely unpredictable teams. The Chargers playing host to the Atlanta Falcons. 
despite coming up on the losing side of things last time out, I've actually been pretty darn impressed by the Falcons' defense as of late. As far as I'm concerned, statistically, they've been one of the best defenses in the NFC over the last month. They're only giving up 20 points a game, and they're scoring relatively well at 26. Like, this is not a bad football team like they have been at points over the last couple of years. Meanwhile, the Chargers are an absolute dumpster fire. They got clobbered, what was it, 799,406 to nothing last week against the Patriots. What a what an awful foot. Just three and nine. What an awful football team. If Anthony Lynn is not fired, Anthony Lynn should be already be fired. Should have been fired after that game. There's that game was inexcusable to lose to that Patriots team by that much. So this game, to me, felt like a layup for the Atlanta Falcons. The offense playing well, the defense playing really, really well, the Chargers playing like absolute garbage over the last month or so, especially last week. So that's why I'm taking the Chargers to win. I don't get either of these teams right, so if it seems obvious... Obviously, I have to go the other way. It doesn't help the Falcons that they're probably going to be without Ricardo Allen. He suffered a concussion last week. But look, I, I, I'm going to take the Chargers, and this is going to be my one-point confidence point pick in the pick'em pool. So if I get it wrong, whatever, I get it wrong. I just I have to accept that there are certain teams that I'm just never going to get a good lean on, and the Chargers are certainly one of them, more so than the Falcons. The Chargers are certainly one of them. Let's take the Chargers to win, because why not? On the line, the Chargers are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. I like them to win outright. Gross, I'll take the two-and-a-half points. Total in the game set at exactly 50 points. This was pretty well a perfect total as far as I'm concerned. It's a coin flip because of course it is because neither one of these teams can possibly have something lean one way or the other. So let's just go ahead and take the over because I don't want to sweat the under. Let's go over 50 points in Atlanta, Los Angeles. Let's go Chargers 27, Atlanta 24. Don't be shocked if I miss every bit of that game and Atlanta wins by like... You know, Atlanta, so we'll have, obviously Atlanta's going to cover because that's the way I'm not going with it. It's just, oh my God, some of these teams, man. The next two games we're going to talk about feature the two teams that we watched play last night on Monday Night Football. They just switch opponents. First, the San Francisco 49ers, quote unquote, at home, because they're not at home. They're obviously playing the game in Arizona. San Francisco, quote unquote, playing host to the Washington football team. Now, Washington is on its third straight road game here. And since it's a neutral site game, do have to consider it a road game for them. Both teams obviously playing on the short week and both teams with injury situations, possibly important injury situations, definitely worth monitoring heading in. The Niners come into this game losers of four of their last five where the Washington football team on a three-game win streak. So definitely a case of two teams, even though they're both five and seven, definitely going in opposite directions here. No question about that. As I mentioned, injury concerns on both sides. For San Francisco, it's on the defensive side of the ball. DJ Jones, their defensive interior player, he suffered an ankle injury. It's potentially a high ankle sprain, though it hasn't been confirmed yet. His status is uncertain, but he would likely miss multiple weeks if they did confirm a high ankle sprain. He's one of their better defensive interior players. If he misses time, it's just another nail in their playoff coffin at this point at 5-7. and seven. 
Washington, meanwhile, running back Antonio Gibson, and this is obviously no big loss if he were to miss time, or no small loss, I should say, if he were to miss time. Gibson's having himself a great rookie year. He injured his toe in, I think, what, the first drive or something of the game last week. No update on him. His status is definitely uncertain at this point. Were he not to play, I guess duties would fall to J.D. McKissick. This is looking ahead a little bit, but I, I get the feeling the Buffalo Bills are getting a ton more credit than they probably should for beating up on a 49ers team that's missing all of their best players except for Fred Warner and Raheem Mostert. Like, basically all of their good players except for two, the 49ers do not have right now, and they're just going to lose another one here in uh, in DJ Jones. I don't think either Kittle or or Jimmy Garoppolo are going to be back at all this year. I genuinely, and that's my personal belief, I genuinely believe they're going to lose this week, for one. I think they're going to lose to Washington. We're taking Washington, quote-unquote, in San Francisco to beat the Niners. And that's at that point, they're probably not going to be able to make the playoffs. Why why bring George Kittle back to re-aggravate his injury? You might as well sit him out for the rest of the year. On the line, somehow, some way, San Francisco are three and a half point favorites in this game. That makes no sense to me at all. The team I watched last night, there's no way that team should be favorites over almost anyone else in this league. That's how poorly they played last night against Buffalo. So thank you very much, Vegas. I will be more than happy to take those three and a half points on the better football team in Washington. Folks, this is a hedge one way or the other. Even if you like San Fran to win, take that extra hook and take the three and a half. Total in the game set at 43 and a half points. I've got this like in the 20s. So this is a very firm under for me. I think Washington's defense dominates this football game. We're going to stay under 43 and a half points in Washington, San Francisco. Let's go football team 13, Niners 12, because why not? Now, speaking of Buffalo, let's go to Buffalo. The Bills playing host to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, Buffalo had that big win last night, you know, a dominant win on the scoreboard anyway. Pittsburgh suffering their first loss of the season at in week 13 down to 11 and 1 now on the year of course now having to come in to buffalo to play a good afc opponent for sure the bills are winners of two straight games they're 4 and 1 in their last 5 but only 2 and 2 against afc opponents who are not inside their own division they're a perfect 4 and 0 inside the division so far but in the conference, they're only 6-2, and two, which means they're even money against other AFC teams. Pittsburgh, of course, meanwhile, with an NFC loss, not meaning quite as much in the overall scheme of things as an AFC loss. They are still undefeated against AFC opponents this year, despite the loss last week. Pittsburgh may have to enter this game without Joe Hayden in the secondary. He suffered a concussion uh, last night. He's in protocol. His status is very much uncertain for this game, but I'm going to go back to it. I think the Buffalo Bills are getting too much credit for beating up on a San Francisco team last night, not even playing in their own building without all but two of their best players. I genuinely think the Bills are an a good football team. I was about to say average, but they're better than average. They're a good football team. They're not an elite football team. The Pittsburgh Steelers are an elite football team. They're certainly an elite defense. And that's one thing that Buffalo does not have, even though they 
you know, were firmly in control of that game last night. They still allowed 24 points. They're still allowing 27 a game over their last four. A couple weeks removed from back-to-back showings of giving up 30. Now, they can outscore those problems, but not necessarily against an elite defense. And that's what they're going to be playing this week in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, the offense could be questionable. The defense 100% is not. I like the Steelers here. I think this is a game that Pittsburgh wins. I got in a little Twitter interaction last night with uh, Pat Muldowney, whose name you may know if you're a fan of the Jay and Dan podcast. He made the claim that uh, Pittsburgh has a harder schedule for the rest of the year than Kansas City does. I disagreed with him in that. We had a little back and forth about that. Uh, Pittsburgh's the better team here. I think Pittsburgh picks up the win. We're going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo to beat the Bills. And in case you need any more evidence that people are way overreacting to Buffalo's win last night, the Bills have gone from point and a half dogs to point and a half favorites over a team that just lost its first game of the year in week 13. It is ridiculous that the Buffalo Bills are the favorites in this game. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. So once again, I'll say thank you, Vegas, for the point and a half, which I will definitely be taking on now the underdog one loss Pittsburgh Steelers. Total in the game set at 46 and a half points. I had this capped somewhere right around here, like a mid to high 40. Um, The Bills as favorites are 5-2 and 1 to the over this year. I don't think this thing flies over, but I do think it sneaks over late. We're going to go over 46.5 points in Pittsburgh Buffalo. Let's go Steelers 26, Bills 21. And the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 14 is the Cleveland Browns at home playing host to division rival Baltimore who has to play tonight. Brownies are on a heck of a roll here. Four straight wins. They're three games, or I guess two and a half games clear right now of the Baltimore Ravens at six and five, pending what happens tonight. But the Browns have made it so that, like, Pittsburgh hasn't clinched this division yet, even though Pittsburgh's at 11 and one. Like, the Browns are right there at nine and three, and they've been getting the job done in their own building and away from home. Worth pointing out, the Ravens have won four of their six games away from home so far this season, but they're only even money inside the division, which actually, looking at it now, so are the Browns. But this, again, feels like a case of two teams going in very different directions. And I understand that Baltimore had the COVID situation that they're they're now just sort of, you know, at the tail end of. I know Lamar Jackson got taken off of the COVID-19 list. He will play tonight in their game against Dallas. Uh, too little, too late for me in the uh, Progs Fantasy Football League. But, you know, it is what it is. But, man, the Browns are cooking right now. Not only are the Browns cooking, but they're protecting the football. And this is the antithesis to what Cleveland used to be. Cleveland used to be this team that would shoot themselves in the foot and make the mistakes that would wind up killing them in these games. They're not doing that this year. They're a very good team in terms of their turnover differential. They're protecting the ball. They're generating turnovers. Baltimore, not really generating the kinds of turnovers that we're used to seeing from what's a very opportunistic defense for the Ravens. I think regardless of what happens tonight, I'm taking the Browns to win this thing. I think Cleveland wins this football game at home. Browns beat the Ravens.
On the line, when I went to bed last night, Cleveland, I think, was a point-and-a-half dog at home. Right now, this game's a pick em, so I like Cleveland to win outright, so obviously I'm going to take Cleveland as the pick em. Total in the game set at 45-and-a-half points. I had this thing, like, originally capped in the high 40s, but I think I'm going to lean on the fact that the Ravens have only hit two of six overs on the road so far this year. I think this is a relatively low-scoring game. Let's go under 45-and-a-half points in Cleveland, Baltimore. Browns 24, Ravens 20. Huge statement win for Cleveland to get them to double-digit wins. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 14 in the NFL. Going to start, as always, with the bronze pick. 10-3 straight up, 9-16-1 on the betting picks for the bronze pick. Let's see if we can't sweep the Philadelphia Eagles for the second straight week. My bronze pick is the Eagles at home, playing host to a New Orleans Saints team on their third straight road game. Usually I'd feel kind of nervous about that. A team that has clinched their division, which the Saints have done now. I believe it's their division. It's a division or a playoff spot. They have clinched uh, clinched a playoff spot. Sorry about that. They've clinched a playoff spot. And so look, they know they're going to the dance and they're playing a team that's trying to play for some pride after having lost four straight games. But look, Taysom Hill answered some questions last week as a passing quarterback, throwing for a couple of touchdowns. Saints looked really good last week. They've won nine straight football games. There's no way in hell I'm looking at the Eagles as a team right now that's going to upset that team. Especially not when you're a Saints team that's not making a lot of mistakes on the offensive side. They're not giving the ball up. They're generating turnovers on defense where the Eagles are one of the worst, if not the worst teams in football at protecting the ball. They give the ball up a bunch. They're not generating them on the defensive side. Everything about this game says hammer the New Orleans Saints, which is exactly what we're going to do. Saints beat the Eagles. On the line, the Saints are laying a full touchdown on the road in Philadelphia, and I'm going to be laying those points as well. Eagles are only 4-8 and eight against the spread on the season. Not a lot of points, not a lot of money to be made betting with the Eagles this year, so we're going to lay the 7 points on New Orleans. Total in the game set at 44.5. I've only got this game like in the 20s. I don't think this game cracks the 30s. The Eagles have only hit four overs all year, so let's stay under 44.5 points in New Orleans, Philadelphia. New Orleans straight up. We're going to hammer New Orleans minus seven against the spread in a game that stays under 44.5 points. That is the bronze pick. Let's go Saints 23. Eagles, give them a field goal. My silver pick, where I'm 12 and 1 straight up and 11, 13, and 2 on the betting picks. Hey, look, sweep this, get us back to 500, let's do it. The Detroit Lions at home playing host to my Green Bay Packers division matchup of the NFC North. Detroit coming in a little hobbled. This certainly a matchup of one team playing for pride and the other team playing for playoff positioning. The Green Bay Packers at 9-3 on the year, winners of back-to-back -back games, four of their last five. Credit to the Detroit Lions. They came back last week after firing their coach. The Lions came up with a big win last week. As I said, a win that they were going to get. It took a heck of a comeback, but they did it. Look, the Lions are only 1-4 and four at home this year, and like I say, they're dealing with a bit of an injury. 
It's tackle Tyrell Crosby. He injured his ankle last week. There's been no update on him so far. Have to consider his status uncertain. And Green Bay's pass rush has kind of started heating up over the last little bit with the Smiths. So, I look, I think that could potentially loom in the game like this. But in general, I don't think the Packers will have to rely on getting a good pass rush in this game. I just think they're just, it's a track meet and Detroit doesn't have the weapons to keep up, especially with Kenny Galladay, even if he does play, not playing at 100%. We're definitely going to lean heavily on the Green Bay Packers this week. Packers beat the Lions. On the line, Green Bay laying a full seven and a half points as road favorites here, kind of like the Saints that we just talked about. And I'm going to lay them again. The Packers as favorites, six and three against the spread this year. Detroit has yet to cover against the spread as an underdog at home. They're 0 and 3 this season. We're going to go ahead and lay the seven and a half points on Green Bay. Total in the game set at 55, and I believe that is our largest total of the week, and it is. I'm still going to go over on it. I capped the game in the high 50s, maybe pushing a 60, and situationally speaking, like we talked about with Arizona and the Giants, so we're talking about Detroit at home and the Packers on the road, these two teams have combined to hit 9 of 11 overs this year. Lots of points in this game, points on both sides, definitely going over the 55 points in Green Bay, Detroit. Packers straight up. We're going to hammer the Packers minus seven and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 55 points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick, where I'm 9-4 straight up, 10-16 on the betting picks this year, sees the Los Angeles Rams at home playing host to the New England Patriots. And you must be thinking, oh my God, how could he take a Patriots team that just won 45-0 and probably go against them in the gold pick? Let me tell you why. The Los Angeles Rams are the silent assassins of the NFL. They are... Like, no one really talks about the Rams in these terms. They're a top five total offense. They're a top five total defense. They're scoring points. The defense is playing well. It's the second half of back-to-back road games for the Patriots. So, yes, they did just win 45 to nothing. But New England's not a 45 nothing team. This is not the Tom Brady, Randy Moss, 2007 New England Patriots. This is the Cam Newton and a bunch of who at wide receiver 2020 New England Patriots. I definitely don't see that as the beginning of a trend. And the Rams are just an incredibly good football team who've won three of their last five. Now, granted, they have not beaten an AFC opponent yet this year. They're 0-2. I think that very much changes this week. And this is no disrespect to the Patriots. The Patriots have done some great things over the last month or so. They've won four of their last five. They've won two straight games. They've pulled themselves back up to six and six and still are hanging around in the AFC playoff picture. It's no disrespect to the Patriots. The Rams are just the best team nobody's talking about. As I mentioned, the Patriots dealing with an injury situation in their defensive, uh, the defensive secondary, actually. Cornerback Jonathan Jones, he suffered a neck injury. Might have been a bit of a stinger last week. No update on him so far. His status is uncertain heading into this game. I just have a ton of faith right now in the Rams. And again, a solid situation where Patriots are 
you know, a little bit injured. Patriots are on their second straight road game. I think this is a solid matchup for the Rams. I think the Rams get the win here. Let's take LA at home to beat New England. On the line, the Rams are laying six points as a home favorite here. That line is completely justified to me. I'm going to lay those points. I think the Rams win this thing by at least double digits. So minus six, I'm okay with it. Let's lay minus six on the hometown Rams. Total in the game set at 44 and a half points. I had this thing only as like a high 30, maybe pushing into the 40s. The Rams at home have not hit an over so far this year. And as favorites, they've only hit one over in nine games. So we're going to go ahead and stick under 44 and a half points in New England, Los Angeles. Rams straight up, we're going to hammer the Rams minus six against the spread in a game that stays under 44 and a half points. That is your gold pick. Let's go Rams 27, Patriots 13. I don't think I gave you a score in the silver pick. We're going to go Packers 38, Lions 20. That's in the silver pick. And the platinum pick, which is nine and four straight up, only eight and and 18 on the betting picks this year, which is disgusting. The last game of the week, the Seattle Seahawks playing host to the New York Jets. The New York Jets are the New York Jets, and very clearly Greg Williams, who just got fired as the Jets' defensive coordinator, was trying to lose that game with that play call at the end. The Jets are very clearly, very obviously not trying to win until Jacksonville has won their second game of the year, in which case then you'll probably see the Jets win a game towards the end. And look, the players are not trying to tank. I shouldn't say that. The players aren't trying to tank. The front office and the coaching staff are a thousand percent trying to tank. Meanwhile, the Seahawks, man, they should not have lost that game last week. They're, they should not be losing to the New York Giants in their own building. That's not a game that Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks should be losing, even though they were on the short week. They had more in their favor than not in their favor. That's certainly the case again this week, but if ever there was a get-right game, it's against the New York Jets who are not trying to win. And thank God, because Russell Wilson is my dynasty starting quarterback and he gets to play the Jets in the first week of the playoffs. So two thumbs up there for me. Yeah, so very obviously here, Seahawks roll. We're going to take Seattle to beat the Jets. However, Seattle are 13 and a half point favorites at home against the Jets. And I am taking the points on the New York Jets. This season, any favorite of 10 points or more on the early lines, which is what I'm looking at here. Like I'm recording this to show on Tuesday, right? So I'm looking at very early lines for this week. I went back through the whole season. So we're looking at like Tuesday lines to Wednesday lines. Any favorite of 10 points or more on the early lines, only seven and nine against the spread this year. So heavy favorites, but they're covering less than half of the time. And the Seattle Seahawks team that I saw last week, by and large, is not a team that I think should be favored by double digits over anybody. If this number was nine or nine and a half, I'd, I'd probably have taken it. It's not. It's 13 and a half points. It's nearly two full possessions. I'm going to take the points on the Jets. Total in the game set at 47 points. I've got this as a low to mid 50, so I think this goes over fairly comfortably. We're going to go over 47 points in Jets-Seahawks. 
Seahawks straight up, but we're quote-unquote hedging our bets with the Jets plus 13.5 against the spread in a game that goes over 47 points. That is the platinum pick. Let's go Seahawks 31, Jets 21. There you go, folks. Those are your picks for week 14 in the NFL, and it is time now for the patented comment of the week. So the comment of the week from the week 13 episode goes to my guy, Matt, the NFL fanatic, whose channel is excellent. His picks are great. Matt, the NFL fanatic, his comment from last week, simply because I believe he ran the table on the games that he disagreed with, with me, which is always what his comment is. It's always what he disagrees with, which is good because it always gives me more information to consider. His comment reads, solid picks, Justin, disagree with Indianapolis, the Rams, and Buffalo. So we're going to come back here. I had, last week, I had Indianapolis losing, they won. I had the Rams losing, they won. And I had Buffalo losing, and they won. And again, to give full credit where it's due, here's his logic. Deshaun has been playing sensationally, but not having Fuller and Kenny Stills is huge, and I think the Colts' defense will do a good job. That's exactly what happened. For the Rams, Kyler Murray did really bad against the Rams' defense at home last year, and the Rams, I believe, have not lost back-to-back games this season. Look at that. I should have see. I, I should have trusted myself with how I felt about the Rams in that game. Buffalo have to trust the Bills' defense. I don't know about that necessarily. And Mullins making one more mistake than Josh Allen, and that is exactly what happened. Mullins made like one more mistake than Josh Allen did, and that was it. And then Buffalo was you know off to the races. So that is essentially exactly what happened. Good luck this week JR. Well Matt, thank you so much and yours is the comment of the week from the week 13 episode. That is going to draw the curtains to a close on week 14 in the National Football League, at least my National Football League pick show. Thank you very much for watching and listening. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and let's see if I can get this show out to you before the clock strikes midnight. Enjoy the games in week 14, enjoy the game tonight, and actually, as I was recording, I just got a ping from the NFL app, Jalen Hurts will make his first career start in place of Carson Wentz and that home game against the New Orleans Saints. Interesting to see how that works out. Enjoy the games. We'll see you again in week 15.